0: This morning, we're, uh, we have a message for the seniors. So a message for the seniors, and I don't know if you relate, but uh, raise your hand if you're a senior in here. All right, good, good. Uh, I was hoping you'd get it. Good, good. All right, so uh, we can continue on then. Uh, but as seniors, uh, you are connected to the body. The body of Christ, if you're a follower of Christ, you're connected to the body of Christ. And um, Even if you don't want to admit you're a senior, even if you're not a senior, uh, this message this morning is for you, it's for us. It's a challenge from the words of Paul. Uh, We're in Romans uh, chapter 12 this morning. And so you are called to be a part of the body, and there'll be times where where things get tough or things are hard. And uh, as studying through this and uh, preparing for this morning, uh, one of the things that came to mind is so uh, in high school. I don't know about you, but myself. Uh, but in high school, I was I didn't always make wise decisions. Anybody with me on that? Thank you. All right, I'm not alone in that. All right, so I didn't make I didn't always make wise decisions in, in high school. It's okay, guys. It, it hopefully it'll get better. Um. But one of the things that happened and that has always stuck with me, and it was a traumatic event that I want to share with you. This is uh, my mom talked to me this morning. And she said, "I never heard that story. I didn't. I didn't know anything about it." I use this as confession time. Sorry, you just you're you're my time to confess. But anyway, so uh, Robbie Ott was my youth pastor. We he took us on a youth trip uh, to Colorado. Sorry, guys, I'm not that cool. Um, but. Uh, Robbie took us on a ski trip to Keystone, Colorado. It was an amazing time. It was, uh, it was the coolest place I've ever been, uh, skiing the slopes. Uh, and if you've ever been out west, uh, it's completely different than skiing out here on the east coast. Uh, but anyway, it was an amazing time. It was the last day. My friend Brad and I uh, we skied together. Uh, we were good friends. He, he snowboarded and I skied, uh, but we had the same pace. It was kind of get down as fast as you can, and that's kind of why we stayed together. So anyway, uh, we were skiing. We were having a good time. Well, it was the last day, and we had been riding this chairlift, and we saw below us what looked like an amazing trail. Uh, this trail was beautiful and white, Nobody is pristine. Nobody had been on it, and we were thinking we're, we're gonna ride that. And we had ridden past this past this trail before, and we saw that it was closed. And uh, while we were on the lift, lift, we were why would that be closed? It's beautiful. Why can't we enjoy it? Why why is this Keystone? Why is this mound? Why are they trying to inhibit our fun? We're here to have a good time. Why are they keeping us from having a good time? And so we decided bad decision. We decided that we were going to be the ones that make our own rules. And we were going to decide that this is a good trail. We were going to go for this trail. Granted, this is the first time we've been out west and this was a terrible decision. So anyway, we embark on our adventure. We get off the lift. We go down this trail and it's got the orange rope across the trail. It says closed or like not to us and not today. And so we embark on this, this trail And it wasn't just shortly after. As soon as we got on this thing, we may go 50 yards or so. And it was, and then we had to dig ourselves up, get on the top of the snow again. I mean, and it happened over and over again. It was the worst skiing experience I've ever had. Uh, The snow was literally waist deep. And so my my friend Brad had a snowboard. He couldn't do anything except he took his board off, he laid on top of it, and we kind of swam a little bit and dug a little bit and swam a little bit. And it was a fight for a good thirty minutes to get down to the bottom. By the time we got to the bottom, guess who was waiting on us? Ski patrol. Ski Patrol was, uh, they're on the mountain to keep a skier safe and to also enforce rules. And so we got down to the bottom. I beat my buddy Brad uh, down, and I was there with the Ski Patrol. He was like, I'll talk to you, man. Let's wait for your buddy to get down. So we got down, got together, and he talked to us. And normally, if you break a rule like that, it was a big deal because I didn't realize that at the time, but he said, you know, if you would have broken something, if you would have gotten hurt, it would have taken us a long time to get to you. That was a terrible thing to do. And guess what? We're, we can take your, your lift ticket. I was like, oh man, well, guess what? Guess what, buddy? I ain't skiing anymore. I am done for today. It was terrible. And he actually saw how bad of a time we had. And he said, I know you've learned your lesson. I'm not going to take your, your lift ticket. And I was like, here, you can have it. I'm done. We're, we're, we're finished. But the point is, is that from the chairlift, that trail looked really nice, it looked pristine. And in life, there's a lot of times there are situations like that, that from a distance, before we get into it, man, it looks nice, it looks fun, it looks exhilarating, it looks like something you want to be a part of. But then when you get in it, you see, there's a reason why God closed that path. There's a reason why we shouldn't walk that way. There's a reason why God tells us to follow His Word. And so this morning, God has connected you, us, If you're a believer in Christ this morning, if you've given your life to Him, He has connected us to the body. He's connected you to the body of Christ, and we are part of that body. So when we come to faith in Christ, He brings us into community with other believers. The first point this morning for our our seniors, it is how to submit to one another. How do we do this? How do, we, how do we submit to one another? Because this is, this is not natural for us. This is not a natural inclination. Again, we are rule breakers. We are rebellious at heart. That is our natural bent. That is our natural inclination. And so how are we to, to live in community with one another? How are we to be a part of the body that he has called us to? Because remember, if we are part of the body, it makes a difference that you make a difference, that as being part of the body of Christ, you're connected to Highland Park, absolutely, but you're connected to the body, no matter if you're at Coastal, if you're here at Trident, or if you're at Francis Marion, or no matter where you go, USC or Anderson, that you are connected to the body, and when one part of the body hurts, we hurt, and see, one of the things uh, is kind of cool that you guys are in nursing because I'm uh, bring up a nursing point, but in the body, and we've all kind of uh, known this even if we're not in the medical field, but if you have something wrong in your body, it doesn't just affect that part. For example, uh, a big toe. We often don't really think about our big toe, right? You don't really think about your, your big toe that often, but let it get infected, right? Let it get an ingrown toenail, and you remember you have a big toe very often. It doesn't just affect that part of the body. It affects your whole body. For me, uh, it, uh, one of the things that brought to mind was my back. Um, and there are times when I have lower back issues. There are times when my back has gone out, and just walking up the steps was like a uh, walking up a mountain. That it, The back it affected everything guess what, that goes for you, that goes for me, that goes for you, that we affect each other, that your health in Jesus, that your walk with Jesus affects everybody around you, that we are part of the body. So how do we stay connected? How do you stay connected? Because there are going to be a lot of things in front of you. There's going to be a lot of those, those chairlift moments where you're looking out and, man, that really looks fun. That really, I, you know what? I'm tired. I'm too tired to go to church. Or I'm just bored. Or I've been hurt. Or I, I just, I don't care to go anymore. I'm, I'm too busy. Maybe that's been some of your thoughts about church, that it's just not for me. I'm a believer. I love Jesus. But it's, you know, those people at that church, they've hurt me in this way. Or I don't have time to spend with those people. Let's talk about that this morning. Because you staying connected is vitally important for the health of the church. But it's also vitally important for your health as well. Number one, how to submit to one another. Starting in verse 3. For by grace, for by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed you a measure of faith to each one. Right here he starts off with, be humble, don't think more of yourself. Don't think too highly of yourself. And this is a big deal in college. That Don't think too highly of yourself that you know better than the professor or that you know better than someone else. Humble yourself and be willing to take instruction. But guess what? That applies to us, that we are to humble ourselves, that we are to not think more highly of ourselves. Because guess what? Being about the body is not about me. Being a part of the body Is about the glorification of God. What does He prefer? What does He want? We are to submit to one another. Because of our salvation, because of our faith in Christ, it is possible, it is possible that we can submit to one another. In verse 4, he continues. It says, Now as... Now as we have many parts in one body and all the parts do not have the same function, I love this, that God is the creator God. He is dynamic. He gives us different gifts and abilities. He's called us all to one faith but given us all different gifts and abilities. This is the beauty of the body that you and I get to be a part of. That we're not to be carbon copies of one another. That there is diversity in the body of Christ. That we have different gifts and ability, but we are called to one body and one faith. See, we are many and individually members of one another. See, in the same way we who are uh, many, verse 5, in the same way we who are many are one body in Christ. And individually members of one another. See, in Christ we are called to one another. To live out our faith, we have to be united with one another. See, salvation is individual, that Christ saves us individually, that we're not saved because of our parents, we're not saved because of a youth minister, we're not saved because of a church that we may attend, we're saved because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. That is, the, that is what saves us, but it doesn't save us to ourselves, it saves us to be a part of that body and the gifting. In verse 6 According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If, if prophecy, use it according to the standard of one's faith. This idea of prophecy here is not this idea of knowing uh, the future. But this idea of prophecy here, what Paul is talking to the Roman church about, is the, the message of God. That those that have been given the message of God, preaching and teaching. In verse 7, if service and serve. If teaching and teaching. If exhorting in exhortation, if giving with generosity, leading with diligence, showing mercy with cheerfulness. That there are some gifts that God has given the body that are out front, like leading. There are certain gifts that of prophecy or of teaching that, is, that these gifts are given to people that will be out front in front of people. But then there are other gifts that I have given to, to people that are behind the scenes that no one would ever know. The gift of mercy. This idea of gift of mercy is being willing to help with other people's needs. Showing kindness and mercy. When somebody never, may never know that you're a generous person. That's a good thing. They, they, they know you. They know you give, but they don't know what you give. But see, these things are behind the scenes. So some of us have been given gifts that will be very present to all, but some of us have been given gifts that are behind the scenes. But one of the things that I want us to know and what you guys to know is that you, you have been given a gift. You have been given a gift of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit gifts you with certain abilities. And guess what? They're not for you. Your gifts that you've been given are not just for you. They're for the body. See, the body functions best when seniors are willing to submit to one another. Did you hear that? The body is, it, it functions best and operates best when seniors are willing to submit to one another. See, that goes for our seniors, but that goes for us. As a congregation, if we're willing to submit to one another, the body can flourish, the body can grow. See, there are some times that some people will come into church and they love Jesus, but they come in on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and they come in Sunday after Sunday. And church attendance, that's great, that's important, that's that's awesome, but you've been given more than that. You've been called to more than that. And see, some of us can come in, and uh, we can come in as consumers. But think about this. If, if we we're only consumer, consuming, then we actually would be considered a parasite. Stop for a moment and think about that. If you're only consuming, you're only taking from the body, then the, you're, the imagery there is an image of a parasite. And I say that because think about the body. The times when uh, if someone has a parasite in them, it is something that is taking the, the life out of them. It is taking the nutrients. It doesn't give to the body at all. But see, you and I, we've been given so much more that we're not a parasite, but we are to bless the, the body. We're to help the body grow. And you're not too young. and You're not too old. That we are to be a blessing to others. And so how do we stay connected? One, we submit to one another. We're willing to submit to one another. Number two, how to love one another. Starting in verse nine. It says, love must be without hypocrisy. Love must be without hypocrisy. This this idea that you can't fake it. That in Christ we're not to fake our love for one another, that we're not to love one another in pursuit of our own ambitions. Now, I've been guilty of this before where um, I, I will butter somebody else, uh, butter somebody up to kind of get what you know. You know they, they can do something for you. You ever done that? Anybody? Am I the only one? Thank you, Mr. Wayne. I appreciate it. Um, somebody else has done that. You know, you, you, you say all the nice things. You say what you know they, they want to hear so you can possibly get something out of it in return. That's the opposite of what he's talking about here, that our love must be genuine. And how is this to be? Because we are naturally sinful in Christ. Because of our relationship with Christ, this is, this is possible. Because of Jesus, we can love genuine, genuinely. See, we can love others without hypocrisy because we know Jesus has loved us without hypocrisy. That he has loved us genuinely. See, when we see in light of, of who God is and who we are, man, we can love others. We can love without the, the thought of, I want to use you for my personal gain. No, I want to love you because you were made in the image of God. See, that's the difference. See, love must be without hypocrisy. Detest evil, cling to what is good. And that word detest here is uh, it can be detest or abhor. This horror that evil is a horrid thing to you. It's a thing that you repulse from, that you draw away from. I mean, think about images in your life where you've seen something that is detestable. Uh, when I, growing up, I um, went and stayed with my aunt uh, quite often uh, in the summer. We'd stay; my brother and I would stay for a couple weeks, and uh, we would also have chores while we were there. Uh, we helped her in the garden. We helped do different things. Uh, we always had a great time. But one of the things that has kind of burned in my in my mind, that speaking of a, a being abhorred or uh, horrific was I was taking the trash out one time and uh, apparently one of the trash bags has busted. And in the bottom of the trash can was this whole mass of maggots. Sorry if it's too graphic for you, but um, it was too graphic for me. Um, and, And it was repulsive. It was it pushes you away, is, is something that you don't even want to go near, don't want to even touch. Guess what? That's the mentality that we should have as believers, that when something is evil, when something is against God, when it is sinful, we should have that kind of attitude of, man, I don't want anything to do with that. That is abhorrent. That is detestable. But man, if we're not following God, if we're not in community with one another, Man, evil becomes more attractive. Our sinful nature becomes more difficult to resist. If you aren't resisting the devil, if you aren't in God's word, if you are struggling in your relationship with God, man, this idea of detesting evil is going to be hard. Detest evil, cling to what is good. 10, verse 10. Show family affection to one another with brotherly love. Show family, family affection to one another with brotherly love. Outdo one another in showing honor. This is something that has been resonating in my heart uh, for a while now. That we are to outdo one another in showing honor. This idea of outdoing one another and showing honor is that you value somebody else's preferences above your own. Now, I'm going to outdo you in honoring. Um, It's a great day for this, but Memorial Day, where we show honor to those that have given. We show honor to the vets. We show honor to uh, men and women that have, have given their life. And this is the idea of lifting them up and giving, let them have praise and let them have glory as opposed to yourself. That in the church, this is our mentality, that we are to love one another. That we are to honor one another. Number two is how to love one another. And we see that through these verses. Verse 11. Do not lack diligence. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. I love this. This means that there should should not be a, a Christian that is just down and gloomy and sad. Because guess what? We should be fervent in spirit. That we should be passionate about what God has given us. That Passion is not for the young. Passion is for the believer. If we are a follower of Jesus, then he has given you a gift. And we're to share that with the, with the body of Christ. And we're to let the world, the dying world, know what he has done. And so that we are connected with one another. That we have been given a, a genuine passion that is powerful. That is serving to the Lord. And then he continues on, rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, be persistent in prayer. This is amazing, rejoice in hope, rejoice in the things that you know are to come. We get to rejoice in the the future that is coming for us. We get to rejoice in the family that God has given us. But then I love how he says, be patient in affliction. That guys, you are going to go through seasons that are difficult. Many of you have already gone through those seasons. You have gone through difficult times. Be patient. See, we are a family. There needs to be communication and unity with one another because some of you have gone through affliction and we need to know about it so that we can encourage one another. So we can uh, do this life together. That our students need to know about if you've experienced the death of a husband or a wife And how you were able to overcome that. How you were able to overcome and get through difficult times in your life. Our students need to hear that. And you need to hear some of their stories where they have been persistent and some of the difficulties that they have gone through as well. It's amazing what we can learn from one another. And then verse 13. It says, share with, the sta- share with the saints in their needs. Pursue hospitality. See, this idea of hospitality is about the needs and desires of others. And so when I, when, I, when I think of hospitality, usually uh, what I think of is someone having a party at their house, someone inviting people over. And so usually, especially in, in I guess, our culture, at least in my mindset, is that when someone does that, when, they have a, when they're a hospitable person, then they have to have a nice house, right? They have to have a, a good-looking home, and then that home, if it's good-looking also has to be very clean. And then, if it, if it is clean, then uh, whoever is hosting it, they have to be a good cook, and you, that's what uh, someone who has the gift of hospitality. They have to have all these things, right? Well, no, when studying this, this word hospitality is strictly about putting the needs of others before your own. Inviting them into your own home. So these early Christians, they didn't have a lot. But so how could they be hospitable? Because it wasn't about their house. It wasn't about the size of their house. It wasn't about the food they had, what they could provide. And I was thinking about, man, what if I was going to be a hospitable person and invite people in? Because I'm not a good cook. Uh, Rebecca's much better than I. Um, I would think I might cook. Ramen noodles. Anybody like ramen noodles? Thank you. There's a a few. Uh, I hear they're really, really bad for you, but they're delicious, uh, just like many things in life. But I could be a hospitable person even if I didn't know how to cook. Guess what? You can be a hospitable person even if your house isn't always clean. You can be one that invites people in even if you don't even have a house and you're living in a dorm. Guess what? hospitality is not about what we have, but it's about who we are willing to honor, who we are willing to invite into our life and do life with. Number three is how to live with one another. As you can see from Scripture, as you have experienced in life, living with one another is not always easy. Living with the, the, the one another, living with the other person that you vow to love the rest of your life, that spouse, isn't always easy. You know, My wife has it pretty easy because I'm pretty easy to live with and get along with. I get amen up there? No. Okay, anyway, we'll move on. But how do we live with one another? It is difficult sometimes, amen? Amen, come on, you're with me on this. It is difficult to live with one another sometimes. How do we do this? Let us pursue God. That's really what it comes down to. How we we do this is we pursue God. Starting in verse 14. He says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. This has rocked my world. This has has really, for many years, uh, really been hard for me to grasp. He says, bless those who persecute you. He's not saying, bless those that are friendly to you. Bless those that you know can do good for you. Bless those that are are sweet and kind and are needy and are deserving. No, he says, bless those that what? Persecute. That means they come after you. that, That they have a hatred towards you. That they have hurt you. That this is our attitude, that we should bless those that have persecution. Do not curse, but bless. This is life transformation. If he calls us to bless those that persecute us, how much more should we bless those in a body? Think about that for a moment. The enemies, our enemies, we are to do good to them. We are to love them. We are to be kind to them. We are to, to, to give to them. We are to bless them as much as God has blessed us. And guess what? In the body, we are to do so much more than that. If we love our enemies like that, how much more should we love our brothers and sisters in Christ? I and mean, this has been eating at my heart for many years of putting this into practice. In verse 15, it says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. I love this because this is the idea of, again, it's not about you. It's not about me. When we're a part of the body, we rejoice with those who rejoice. And so when someone at your work gets a raise instead of you getting a raise, you rejoice with them. Our natural inclination says, well, why didn't I get that? Our natural thought is to start getting everybody around me and saying, hey, that, he shouldn't have gotten that. I should have gotten that. Or you should have gotten that. And we start pitting one another against one another. Instead, Scripture calls us to rejoice with those who rejoice. And so when someone uh, at school it gets better grades than you, you rejoice with them. If someone in your work gets a promotion that you really had your eye on, then you rejoice with them. One of that is very difficult and I don't take it lighthearted, uh, but I've seen it uh, come to pass where I've seen where there have been a couple that they can't have, a chil- they can't have children, but they rejoice with those that do. How difficult that, that may be that they desire to have children, but yet can't, but they'll still rejoice with those that can. That's the image uh, that we should have. That's what we should pursue as believers in Christ. Let's rejoice with those who rejoice. Let us be thankful that God is blessing. Whether it's us or someone else, let us rejoice with them. And then he, uh, he says, weep with those who weep. And this is the side that we are so interconnected that when you hurt, I hurt. When you go through difficulties, I go through difficulties. That your pain is my pain. This is a level of intimacy where we, we desire to be with one another. That we open up to one another. This is the body that God's called you to. And he's called you to. And then He continues with this in verse sixteen. He says, "Be in agreement with one another." Hold on. Be in agreement with one another. Does He know that there's going to be a Baptist church one day? Does He know what we are like? Sometimes we have a hard time agreeing what color flowers should be up at the front, right? There are times when we—it it is hard for us to agree on anything in life. It's hard to agree on where to go eat breakfast in the morning sometimes. It is hard to agree with the the people that you live with, much less the people that you don't live with. How can we do this? How How can he say such a statement? It's a declaration it's not a just a suggestion it's not just an idea he says be in agreement with one another and this is how do not be proud do not be proud our pride is what stands in the way many times that if we're going to be unified if you're going to be unified in the body you have to get rid of your pride because it's not about you It's about following Jesus. It's about serving others. That we can be in agreement with one another. We can be in agreement with one another because of what Jesus has done. Again, our focus has to be right. See, Jesus has saved a wretch like me. I know who I am. I know what I have done. I know my thoughts. And yet Jesus has come to save me. He has died on the cross. He paid my sin. He paid my debt And he did that for a wretched person like me. That's why why we can be humble. It's because I, I am no good. I am of no value. Let me value you over myself because I know who I am. And Jesus is the only thing that is valuable in my life. It is Jesus who gives me value. And so that... Do not, be, uh, do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Again, he reminds them, this must be something that's difficult, right? Because again, he reminds them, don't think too highly of yourself. Don't think that you weren't once alienated from God. You weren't once an enemy of His. Remember where you came from. Remember who you are, that you're a child, child of God. In verse 17, it says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Try to do what is honorable in everyone's sight. If possible, I love how he leaves that open there. If possible, on your part, leave at, live at peace. Live at peace with everyone. And this is where I love the, the raw reality of Scripture. That God knows his people. He knows his creation. He knows there are going to be times where there are some people that you desire peace with and they just can't live with peace with them. But what does he say? If possible, on your part, that on our part, if we can live at peace with someone else, we are to pursue that. We're to be the agent of peace, that we're to be the one that pursues reconciliation and peace, regardless of what other people do. He doesn't give the out for us. He doesn't say, if they're willing, then you can do this. But if if it's dependent upon you, let there be peace. Verse 19 says, Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, uh, leave room for his wrath. For it is written, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. This is another one of those earth-shattering scriptures. Verse 20 says, But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. Do what? What did Paul just remind us of that we're to do? Reflecting back on Jesus' word? That we're to, we're to feed our enemies? No, our, 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 our natural inclination, our, the way we're built, the way we are designed, we want to squish them. If if they're hungry, we're going to take everything from them. We We want to take everything that they have. We want to stomp the life out of them if they're our enemy, right? That's the mentality most of us have. But here God gives us something very different. That we're to go against our natural inclination. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for in doing so, you will be heaping fiery coals on his head. This idea of fiery coals on the head is this idea of repentance or even waiting till the last time that, God, it is up to you that I'm going to live like Jesus. I'm going to do what he's called me to, but I'll let you do the the payment. I'll let you do the punishment. It's also the idea of maybe we can bring them into repentance. That they will repent of their sins and they will come to God and have that, that life, and the life abundantly. And closing it out with this last verse in verse 21, it says, Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. And that's, that's my call to you, seniors. That's my call to you, congregation seniors, is, is that we would not be conquered by evil. We wouldn't be conquered by our own pride or the pride of others. But that we would conquer evil with what is good. That uh, this idea of fighting fire with fire—if you come at me with harsh words, I will come at with you with harsh words—and I am guilty of that in, in so many ways. And to repent of those things, but we're to fight evil with good. We're not fight fire with fire. Do you believe God's word? See, vengeance belongs to the Lord. I will replace, says the Lord. Do we actually believe it? Because the way we live our life will show whether we believe God's word or not. Do you trust him? Are you willing to say, I'm going to live this out. I'm going to practice hospitality. I'm going to care for the needs of others. I'm going to to submit to one another. I'm going to love one another. I'm going to live with one another. Are you willing to practice what God has given us? As we close uh, this morning, Miss Mary, if you don't mind coming up and uh, playing a little bit, but we're not gonna sing that last song uh, this morning. But what I do want you to do is, I want, you, I want you to spend a little time in prayer this morning that God would convict your heart, that he would challenge you, that he would help you to grow. He would see where are you at In all honesty, are you a parasite in the body right now? That, yeah, you believe God, you believe in Jesus, that He is your Savior, but you're living in such a way that you're just a consumer, that you're not living out the gifts that God has given you. Maybe He's convicting you of that this morning. Or maybe you need to draw near to Him, show hospitality, show love, outdo one another in honor. I pray this morning that God convicts your heart, that he draws you near to him. And the second thing is, if you need prayer, if you want to come up here, I'll be up here at the front. But during this time of, uh, of prayer, if you want to talk to me, then that would be great. I'd love to talk to you. If you want to come to know Christ as your Lord and Savior, then come today. Come now. Join the body. He has given you a, re- a purpose and a calling. But use this time to walk with God this morning, to talk with him this morning. What is he challenging you to do this morning? Let us bow in prayer. Father, I thank you for this time. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, you've given us instruction on how to be able to live with one another, how to love one another, and how to submit to one another. Father, I pray that Your Holy Spirit would be in our thoughts, in our words, in our actions. Father, I pray for our, our seniors, our graduating seniors, those that are going off to college, and those that are staying here. Father, that Lord, as Your Word, that they would detest evil and cling to what is good. Father, that they would be rooted in the body. Or that they would be growing so that they can help the body grow. Father, that you would protect them, that you would lead their steps. Father, I just thank you for the blessing. Lord, the joy that has been to get to know these students and to see them love you, to walk with you, to study your word. What an honor that is. Father, I pray for our congregation this morning. Lord, this would be our heart's desire, is to put into practice these things, that we love one another outrageously, Lord, that we would be so generous to one another, that we would outdo one another in showing honor to others. Father, I pray that we would not just have heard your word this morning. Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would be challenged, we would be convicted, that we would be transformed by the renewing of our mind through the hearing of your word. Holy Spirit, be alive and active in our hearts. You're an amazing God. Let us worship you and honor you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.